TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. You're listening to Wellness Women Radio with women's health experts, Dr. Ashley Bond, the pregnancy and birthing guru, and the queen of hormone imbalances, the period whisperer herself, Dr. Andrea Huddleston. They're raising the bar for women's health by bringing you the most up-to-date health and wellness information to live your best life. Now, on to the show. This episode of Wellness Women Radio is very proudly brought to you by Dinner Twist. Dr. Ashley and I want to let you in on a little secret of how we maintain our healthy whole foods lifestyle with very little time. And one of those ways is actually with Dinner Twist. So they plan, they shop, they deliver everything to our door to take all of the guesswork out of having really healthy meals for dinner each night. Um, I love Dinner Twist because they are a locally family-owned business here in Perth in Western Australia, and all of their produce is locally sourced and seasonal. So they are really invested in all of their suppliers as well, which is absolutely amazing. Everything is so fresh. Uh, Ashley and I both get the Wholesome Box, which is naturally gluten and dairy-free as well, and is very consistent with a paleo-type lifestyle as well. Uh, so it's, you know, completely consistent with, you know, the way that we want to eat and want to feed our loved ones too. This is also how I trick Dean into thinking that I can actually cook. So seriously, if I can do it, everybody can trust me. And their recipes are so delicious. They also have other options apart from the wholesome box. So they have a family box for bigger size families and express box. If you're really short on time, uh, as well as a vegan box too. Now, we would love to give you the opportunity for you to actually try Dinner Twist and realize how healthy, how delicious and how fresh it is, but also how much easier this is going to make life as well. So we have a special promo code for you, and that is going to give you $35 off your first box. And that is WWR for Wellness Movement Radio. Um, so we would love you to uh, try for yourself. Don't take my word for it, but let me know what you think. Without further ado, ladies, onto the show. Hey there, fabulous listeners. Thank you so much for joining us today on Wellness Women Radio. I'm Ashley. And I'm Andrea. And again, don't forget to follow us on social media. So we are the Wellness Women Official on Instagram. We are the Wellness Women on Facebook. I am Dr. Andrea.xo on Instagram and the Period Whisperer on Facebook. And Ash is Dr. Ashley Bond on everything. And ladies, if you haven't subscribed to us um, yet, and you're just sort of um, listening to these episodes without doing that, can you please subscribe? Because it kind of just gives us a bit of an idea of um, what information is really important for you and also obviously helps us to share the the message with, um, you know, the population far and wide um, and is also just good for our egos too. So make sure that you've done that. So just stop what you're doing, take a moment, make sure you've subscribed to us. And also if you really want to give us a five-star rating on iTunes because we love that as well. Uh, okay. now, I, lo- I love that. I'm like all you. about egos. I'm like, yeah, right. <laughs> Neither of us do a whole lot of posting. You don't see our faces anywhere. <laughs> we don't post videos. It's so funny. We're the worst. But anyway, the good thing is if you but can I hear us and you can learn why. from us. <laughs> yeah, I know. But I, it does, I have to say it does give me a bit of a dopamine dump when I see us still in like the top of the charts for iTunes. Oh, um, yeah, true. So, you know, I want us to stay there. Ash, we're almost at 200 episodes. So, this episode is 198. So, oh. we're going to have to plan something big for our 200th episode. Um, and ladies, I might actually put it back onto you. Um, and I'm thinking of this on the fly, but what a great idea. For our very special epic 200th episode, 
what do you want to hear from us? So again, just stop what you're doing unless you're driving. Send us a message through any social media channel or just email us at info at thewellnesswomen.com.au and tell us what topics you have this burning desire to really understand or is this something that is going on with you that you want us to do a bit of a deep dive into as well? So we're totally happy to do that on our 200th episode. We can rehash the um, in the spotlight for all of you. Um, it can be an episode of just, um, you know, patient queries and questions and everything else. Um, so, yeah, what a good idea. <laughs> Cool. Yeah, no, no. That's uh that we've always done it. We've done it for the listeners. So, you know, you ladies are in the in control now. Choose our two hundredth episode. I think that'll be fun. Choose your own adventure. Yes, I know, right? Well, our adventure tonight is going to be all about our mental (laughs) our our (laughs) mental cycles and exercise. Because you might have heard this before, the do's and don'ts, you know, don't do this on your cycle, do do this on your cycle, you know, um, how to avoid this, do that. And I think sometimes it gets a little bit confusing. Um, And certainly a lot of women are told to exercise on their cycles to help, you know, with period pain. And I thought that was a really interesting, uh, you know, discussion I'd read about. And there was a lot of, I guess, um, disagreement in that argument. Some people are all for it and others are really like, no, no, you need rest and, you know, go slow. And others are like, no, no, do more, more intensity so that you can help with the pain response. And I was like, hmm, let's have a chat about that. Let's find out what, uh, what to do when, you know, what's the best time uh, to exercise during your cycle? What are the best exercises, you know, on each of those uh, windows within your cycle? So I think just go back to basics. We'll just do a quick little primer on uh, the menstrual cycle you know, menstrual cycle 101. Andrew, take it away. This is your jam. Oh, okay. Um, so I, let me just preface this by saying, like, I actually love the fact that we're covering this because I think as women's physiology is starting to become more understood, we're actually having conversations about how we can adapt our lives um, to, you know, the normal ebbs and flows Um, of our bodies that, you know, also kind of match the seasons and everything else. And obviously the most obvious cycle for a woman is her menstrual period. Um, and the, the sort of ebbs and flows that happen from one, one period to the next. So I think that this is really great that people are starting to ask these questions, like, should we actually alter our exercise and our, you know, performance and our expectations of our body based on our hormonal ebbs and flows? And the short answer to this is I think absolutely yes. Um, I love that even uh, different companies and brands like even Nike are jumping on board like this bandwagon of actually honoring a woman's cycle with they've got these um, cycle sync workouts, which I think is amazing as well. So, um, ladies, short answer is yes, we should be exercising according to our our hormones and ultimately to listen to, honor and tune into our systems. Um, and we'll go through that in detail, but let me give you a really quick rundown of the cycle. So when we talk about the period um, or just a normal menstrual cycle, we always break it up into two dis- two distinct parts. So there's the follicular phase and the luteal phase. The follicular phase includes your period and all the time leading up to the point of ovulation. 
So it's from day one of your period, day one of bleed to the point of ovulation. And then our hormones do this big switch and then we ovulate, it gets released from the ovary, we move into the luteal phase. So that's the come down from the ovulation and then that's the premenstrual zone and then we get back to the follicular phase with day one of the period again. So each of those phases lasts, um, you know, for some women, 11 to 14-ish days in each cycle. Um, And, you know, depending on your hormonal picture, it may be shorter or longer or whatever it might be. In the follicular phase, when the period starts, this is when all hormones are low. So we need a drop-off or reduction of both estrogen and progesterone below a threshold to initiate a bleed in the first place. So around the period, this is when hormones are at their lowest point. And then as the after um, the period finishes, then we start to get this um, rise of first testosterone, which then converts into estrogen. And we get this huge surge of estrogen right at the point of ovulation. That's when it's at its peak. And then it starts to decline and we get this surge of progesterone in the luteal phase as well. So those are the main hormones that we'll sort of talk about tonight. Um, Yes, we do get shifts and changes with your follicular stimulating hormone and your luteinizing hormone as well. But I think that's probably um, just not, not necessarily information that you need right now. It's probably a little too advanced. We'll just stick to the basics tonight. Um, But... Just in summary, follicular phase, day one of the period to the point of ovulation, egg gets released from the ovary. Then we move into the luteal phase. Again, where progesterone is highest from the point of ovulation back to day one of your period. Um, Ash, is there any other like specific hormonal information that women need about that for tonight's purposes? Look, I think um, for me as well, I've always been interested, you know, when they start to look at some sports science in women's uh, sports performance and looking at how that first half of your cycle, higher in estrogen, um, generally equates to more fat burning and muscle building. So, mm-hmm. you know, how training uh, approaches are geared around that. And then, of course, you know, the second half of the cycle, that increase in progesterone generally re- you know, relates to more fat storing and muscle sparing. So, you know, just adapting um, your exercise styles to get the maximum bang for your buck, so to speak, you know, that you're actually doing the things at the right times to get the maximum advancements or gains. You know, in this case, we're talking high-level performance, but I don't see why, you know, any woman at any age and stage couldn't adapt some of these principles to utilize them to, you know, really get the best out of their workouts and best out of their exercise approach. Um, so that's always really interesting to me. I mean, I'll never forget, um, go back a bit. I have a feeling like my brain just doesn't store always the exact moment, but I remember the watching this young lady, but I think it was the London Olympics with one of the Chinese athletes, um, and after her, her swimming race, she apologized on television to a reporter for her poor performance because of her menstrual cycle. Um, and Amazing. I, I thought that was such an interesting comment at that time thinking, is she apologizing for her cycle or apologize? Like I was trying to work out what that actually meant because it was really unusual in the world of sport to hear something like that. And I have a feeling that she's probably, you know, working and training in an environment that is actually very, very well aware of these principles. And of course, you know, without the influence or use of contraceptives, for example, um, you know, she was clearly just 
her body was doing what it naturally did, potentially under the increased stress of an Olympic environment, may have done something a little different to what they were anticipating or expecting. Um, And of course, her performance suffered as a consequence. Um, And it really was for me personally, the first time I'd ever seen at that level, um, an awareness of the female cycle in relationship to performance. Um, so to see that come out of the mouth of a Chinese athlete was quite incredible. Um, so, yeah, I, you know, it was I amazing. I remember that moment now that you sort of brought that up. Mm-hmm. And oh, that's a little bit heartbreaking that she felt the need to apologize, be- you know, if it was because she was menstruating. But don't women have a – and I want to – I want to say disadvantage, but that may not be the right word, about the fact that our performance will change based on our menstrual cycles and based on where we're at in our cycle. So, you know, depending on, for example, like Olympic level athletes, depending on where their cycle falls when they're actually performing, say if it is at the Olympics, may actually be enough to give them an edge or a disadvantage. And so it's no wonder that athletes um, are almost encouraged to push themselves to the point of losing their period. So going to that state of hypothalamic amenorrhea, and I've seen plenty of female athletes who, um, it's they're not told to do that, but it's almost encouraged. Like you know, you kind of get to that point where you're, you know, exerting yourself so much to the point where you do lose your period, which is a very normal physiological um, thing that happens. And it's almost like, okay, great, now you're not at the mercy of it for the moment, so let's just go hard. Um, which is kind of a little bit sad and also means that you won't necessarily get the good peaks that you can benefit from in your cycle as well because all of your hormones are sort of at a low resting rate. Um, But that's probably a completely entirely different conversation. Um, But, you know, women, we are, we menstruate, we, we have periods. This is just part of, you know, just the amazing deliciousness of being a woman and, um, I don't know how to get around that for athletes, you know, particularly at that high level, what they can do to sort of enhance their performance while still honouring their cycles. It's a tricky one, I'd imagine. I think, you know, obviously not all sports have that um, high intensity, high aerobic, high endurance. You know, some of them are more, mm. um, you know, targeted sports, meaning that they're more precision skill sets, potentially things like archery or shooting or, you know, not all of them are degrees of physical performance, um, it's obviously mental and physical mm-hmm. performance are tied together. But it's the it's generally the, you know, high aerobic, high kind of strength work performance that involves big changes to the menstrual cycle um, in athletes, I believe. So, you know, I think from the perspective of performance, I really, I mean, other than altering cycles with hormonal um, contraceptives, there's not Mm -hmm. a whole lot you could do to coordinate your cycle with, say, for example, your, um, your Olympic event. Like what if you were racing for seven days, like the swimmer, you know, day one, it's, it's one phase of your cycle by day seven, you're in a different phase of your cycle. Um, I'm, I'm, maybe one day we can, we can, uh, get on board an Olympic athlete and actually have a chat about this. Like, do they talk about this? Is this something that the AIS or the, um, performance institutes talk about? Do they go through this with women athletes? Is it something that's discussed or, you know, is it dismissed? I mean, it's absolutely definitely not a conversation I ever had in my um, sports years. 
It was never, ever raised. I don't know if it's just because I always had male coaches. <laughs> it's like the, uh, yeah, I yeah, don't want to deal with that. <laughs> because a lot of women's sport is still male coaches. And the question is, do they actually want to deal with that? You know, do they want to know about those things? Um, or are they sort of happier to just be like, women's business is women's business? Um, I'm not sure. So I think we'd probably have to have a chat to a contemporary athlete that's uh, right in the sport right now and see what the latest is. But we don't have one of those tonight, ladies. Sorry, we can't interview uh, a famous Australian sportswoman, but we might get one. I, I can think of a few people we might be able to, we might <laughs> yeah. be able to get in touch with. Um, totally. We're, we've totally got connections, but actually like the closest thing we have to that. So, um, you know, we, did not you even notice, quite. <laughs> oh, come on. Um, most of our listeners know about your, um, you know, pretty much professional sport career. Um, Ash, did you notice when you were competing like at, at a really high level that uh, you your performance was different depending on where you were at in your cycle I know that you were put they did put you on the pill in your teenage years mm-hmm. um, um but the answer would be notice? absolutely absolutely um I could tell you the difference in gym load from one week to the next and yeah. you'd wonder why one week you were lifting heavy without any effort and the next week you're like oh my god this is so hard to push today and you're thinking I was not self-aware enough at that age and stage to understand that, but it's easy enough to look back on it and go, oh, that my gosh, that so makes sense. Or one, you know, day you're setting a PB in the training, you know, like you're suddenly setting PB yeah. times at training. You're like, oh my goodness, where did that come from? Like you haven't really done anything different. You know, you might've had a you know better rest or something, but it, that wasn't the only factor. Um, and I definitely think there was those days where, like when I say you just – hormonally speaking, everything was beautifully synchronized and it was just like you literally felt on fire. Your body felt immensely powerful, like you were absolutely superwoman. Um, And then, you know, obviously, you know, different change in stage in your cycle might just happen to land on a competition and you literally just have a really crap competition and you try to work out two weeks ago, I just set a PB in the pool and now I'm not even getting close to that in a race. Like what on earth is going on? I think a lot of female athletes have that, to be honest. I have a feeling like if I think about the people I would race and at what times they would perform well, um, sometimes you just bomb a major meet and you're like, I have no idea what just happened. And it's not just nerves and all that stuff. I have a feeling that the cycle aspect is probably something that was potentially overlooked by all of us at that point in time. Um, you know, unfortunately, I'm going to have to age myself now because it almost seems like <laughs> close to 20 years ago that I was at my peak in terms of, um, you know, sports performance. <laughs> but it's, um, yeah, you know, your lifespan in certain sports is not huge. So you're there, you're, yeah. you're, you're best at your young, you know, stages. Um, as you get older, you're kind of getting out of the sport, which is um, incredible when you look at the likes of, you know, athletes like Kate Campbell who is going, potentially going to the, you know, this coming up Olympics and you think this one is, you know, is incredible. Like she's just, you know, one of our most um, talented Australian swimmers and she has managed to stay on that stage for so long. So, yeah. I literally have no idea who you're talking about. (laughs) (laughs) All the swimmers out there will be like, oh, yeah, she's amazing. Um, But, you know, the Campbell sisters are incredible, you know, Bronte and Kate. And you just just realise when you start to think about these details, you know, um, the way cycles influence training load, you know, longevity, injury, you know, age and, and all of those associations, you start to really, it really makes you appreciate women at the peaks, you know, like women who are succeeding into their age. I still remember, you know, American Olympian Misty Hyman who made the Olympic team and I believe at the time she medaled um, at the age of 41 as a sprinter, like just I'm not 41 yet and I'm trying to still imagine 
me an Olympic medal peak at 41. I was like, oh my goodness. Um, so, you know, it just helps you reframe, you know, how much effort I think women in sport put into it. Because I believe you're right. I believe men have an advantage. They don't have those cyclic influences that can, you know, potentially um, lessen their ability. Because you think about, we're just about to talk about sports, um, you know, appropriate times when to exercise when not to if we follow that formula on a cyclic nature you only get half a month to train well so to speak or to train to a certain degree does that make sense yeah half a month where you won't be at risk if you're really pushing yourself Mm. um yeah 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 absolutely whereas the boys get it you know four weeks out of four weeks there's no as long as they are recovering and fueling properly then they can be much more consistent um and I, oh, it's so hard to not think of it as a disadvantage and more about just honoring the beautiful cycles of, you know, a woman's body and that we are so much more in touch with and connected to the cycles of nature as well. And that is mm. simply just the way that our bodies are designed. And exercise, as we've said so many times before, will either be your biggest contributor to hormonal balance or the biggest attraction from that. Because remember that exercise is still a stressor on your body. Yes. So it still has the ability to, you know, really drive up all your stress hormones, um, to throw your whole cycles out of whack. It has the ability to be incredibly inflammatory to the system as well. Um, so why don't we break down the cycle now into each of its phases and then we'll sort of talk about what you can expect of your body during that time and maybe the things that you can focus on to, um, I guess, be in sync with your cycle and exercising in sync with your cycle too. So this is obviously for all the people who are not elite athletes out there who have the uh, the luxury of planning their training or exercise or movement around this as well, um, which I would totally encourage you to do. And I think that um, my advice may be a little bit contrary to a lot of the stuff that you might read online as well. Because if we look initially at the very start of a cycle, so the start of the follicular phase is the period. Um, for most women, this lasts, you know, anywhere from five to, well, I think five days is probably um, ideal-ish. Any longer than that, it's starting to get a little bit too long. But so say a five-day period, initially the start of this, your estrogen and progesterone are, are at the lowest points in the whole cycle and progesterone is really anti-inflammatory. So this means that you're at more risk of inflammation and technically um, with that really low estrogen, your pain thresholds should be better, but this is definitely not the case for everyone because as um, you really have to understand the connection between like pain and hormonal balance and estrogen definitely drives um, nociception. So like our pain receptors. So when estrogen is peaking, usually we are more prone to feeling more pain as well. Um, I think that with this point of the menstrual cycle, when those hormones are at its lowest, I think because that actually increases the inflammatory pathways from that progesterone side of things, I do think women are still um, at the mercy of, you know, feeling a bit more pain. And a lot of the research shows that at this time of your cycle, this is when you should be going hard. However, I totally disagree with that. You know, we're so inculturated to believe that we should, you know, if we feel a bit meh, that we should just push ourselves you know, and it's this idea of just constant push, push, push. Um, But I totally disagree with this. And I think we absolutely should be listening to our body, especially in those first couple of days. So particularly your heavier days. So certainly continue to keep moving, but just 
doing things that are gentle, like stretching yoga, like gentle Pilates, swimming, um, those sorts of things. And also remember that strenuous exercise is also like during the period can create more an inflammatory response. So I certainly encourage my patients to slow down and rest. This is absolutely the time for rest. And if you do this right, you'll be able to bounce back so much quicker as well. Um, a lot of the research around this is actually, like I, from what I found, is actually done on athletes. So they don't really get that opportunity to rest as much. Um, whereas I think for most of our listeners, we probably aren't, you know, professional athletes. So I do think that really listening to your body during that time would be ideal. I absolutely agree with that. You know, it's the time for re- rejuvenating. It's time for rest, recovery, replenishment. Um, in Chinese medicine, yeah, they talk about staying warm and recommendations around using infrared stauners, even having yes. socks on your feet um, to protect your kidneys. Um, and in Ayurvedic medicine, they talk about a woman resting completely uh, at the time of her yeah. bleeding. So it's really, you know, in Eastern medicine, it's very normalized to chill out calm down, you know, look after yourself. Um, unfortunately, in Western society, we tend to just go hard or go home. It's that idea of, well, totally. you know, you're working, you're supposed to be on, on song every single day, you turn up, you show up, you do your best, um, high intensity, you know, whether it be a career at a desk or a career on the road or whatever you're doing. Um, but there's definitely no reflection in our culture and society for this cyclic nature. So, it is our superpower, but uh, I definitely think that, you know, like you said, Andrea, working out with your cycle, knowing when to rest and when to train is an incredibly powerful way of staying well, staying healthy, helping to avoid, you know, things like adrenal burnouts and fatigue and, um, you know, escalating immune dysfunction. And, you know, totally. obviously it's going to help to reduce the risks of autoimmunity concerns, as you mentioned about that inflammation aspect. You know, there's just so many ways we can help honour the body and uh, to understand that at the time that you need that um, is, yeah, I, I think we're getting more in tune. I really love that this conversation is mm. happening. And um, a lot of the um, really popular sites and apps and everything around this will actually say stuff like do your personal breast on your period, like go really hard. And I could not disagree with that more. Um, it's funny, there's a little bit of controversy around um, whether or not we want to rest completely. And also if you are, say, going gently, like maybe doing some gentle yoga, do you want to avoid any kind of inversions or anything where the pelvis is above the head? And the theory around this is that it decre- you want to essentially avoid regurgitation of the blood back into the uterus. And I know that it sounds completely ridiculous, but I actually am supportive of this. Um, Look, there's no really sound um, evidence-based, you know, like meta-analysis or anything around, um, you know, these practices. But one of the um, like pathophysiological um, sort of mechanisms around, for example, endometriosis, they're stating is that regurgitation of blood, so back into the uterus. So I think that it's just healthier for us if we just allow that blood flow to do that normally and naturally without things, you know, stoppaging or, you know, altering the flow of that. And yes, our body knows how to figure out gravity and can pump blood, you know, irrespective of that. But the menstrual blood doesn't excrete the same way. It's not under the same kind of pressure as say an arterial flow, if you know what I mean. Um, So keep your pelvis below your head 
during this time. <laughs> Sorry, I'm trying to think how can I explain this. I just I try to encourage women not to be doing things like headstands and that sort of stuff. Let's just let everything just flow and let's rest and just be gentle with ourselves. Well, there's even just simple things like inversions, like your downward dogs. You know, that's uh, yeah. obviously going to invert the uterus and exactly what the principles you've just described. Um, and of course, you're right. You know, the body is brilliant. It does know what to do. But the whole idea, if you think about those Eastern discussions, you know, infrared saunas um, yeah. is heat, you know, circulation. So it's about maintaining yes. high quality circulation. Uh, so obviously headstands, you know, put a lot of pressure, change circulation pathways. So yeah, that doesn't seem too silly to, to the idea of just, you know, good quality movements without too much hanging upside down. So no fruit bat uh, poses while you're on your, yeah, there you go. On your plead. <laughs> you know, don't be a fruit bat. That's a, that's a pretty straightforward one, isn't it? Totally. And it's also a total myth that you burn more calories on your period. Mm -hmm. So um, a lot of women will want to go really, really hard while they are actually menstruating because they think that the the conditions that their body's already under, so those stresses, means that the more exercise they do, they'll actually burn even more calories. It's a total myth. Um, True. Your metabolic changes slow a lot of things down around that time anyway. Um you're not going to burn more calories. And ladies, seriously, around your period, just rest. So um, now that you've rested, you get to move into the next coolest phase of the cycle, I always yeah. think. And this is where we yeah. move into our superwoman phase, you know, and this is your follicular phase. And this is where some really amazing stuff happens. And this is when you hear people talking about increasing workout intensity, increasing loads. It's like, wow, really? Um, you know, a lot of personal trainers who work in cyclic phases will really, you know, yes. push up uh, push up your loads in this stage. And you think, what? I just got to have my nice rest and recovery. And then they're like, boot camp, boot camp. <laughs> <laughs> totally. So this later part of your follicular phase, um, so once the period has finished, this is now your personal best time. This is when you go hard as long as you've recovered from your period. Like for those women whose periods completely wipe them out, they're going to need a couple more days to recover. Um, but this is also as we get to that mid luteal phase, this is um, as, sorry, mid follicular phase, this is when testosterone is actually starting to increase. So make the most of it. This is when we should be like doing high intensity interval training, which is also going to help to regulate that as well. Boxing, strength training, um, oh, you know, like this is your strength, your endurance, your power. Like this is the time to really make the most of it. And you're at a lower risk of injury in this time than you are with the peak of estrogen at ovulation. Awesome. Can I get a little nerdy here and dive into some of the science? Yes. Cool. Always. Really cool science. Uh, this is, you know, a study done on women and VO2 max, which is obviously maximum heart rate. They found that um, sedentary women pre-exercise, their heart rate was higher and peak heart rate lower during the teal phase. Um, basically, the takeaway and summary of all of that just means that if you do your higher intensity workouts um, in the low teal phase, this is when your heart is working slightly harder than normal. You reach, reach mm-hmm. higher heart rate zones more quickly, um, especially when training in warmer temperatures when we talked about circulation hormones all those things um and if you're exercising in heart rate zones you can expect higher heart rates to um you know exceed regular challenge points so super interesting i was like hmm wonder uh wonder how that works so it's generally obviously the endurance athletes the endurance uh training loads is when you start to to find new maximums new peaks uh so that's that's really cool the strength side of it 
Yes. And then it's the strength yeah. side of it because obviously there's, you know, different people doing different things at all different times in their cycles. Um, for the strength workouts is when we're adding loads, there's a fluctuation of steroid hormones as well throughout our cycle. So they found that, um, you know, for most part, carry on as normal through this phase of the cycle. Um, you yeah. can push it up if you're feeling ready for it, um, but they don't feel as though there's any major gains to be made uh, at this stage of your cycle. So that's just a little bit of the research. Yes. Awesome. Okay. Um, then we get to our ovulation phase. So obviously eggs gets released from the ovary. This is the absolute peak of estrogen throughout our entire cycle, which also means that we're a little bit at an increased risk of ligamentous laxity. So injuries can be slightly higher at this point. So um, maybe no like tightrope walking or <laughs> um, I don't know what sort of things would, would uh, be uh, problematic around that time. But if you're feeling great, then because your energy levels are going to be so good, then go for it. But just, um, you know, just use caution. Your balance and coordination will be totally fine at this point. Your left and right sides of your brain are pretty balanced and are communicating pretty well. So I do think that you can still push yourself through ovulation as well. Um, you can totally handle high-intensity interval stuff, um, but just use caution. Like if you're prone to, say, like ankle um, inversion sprains and all of those sorts of things, just make sure that you're using caution. And then we move into the like further into the luteal phase. So day is sort of 21 plus. This is when we want to be focusing on mobility and recovery. So this is when we need to start to slow down a little bit in preparation for the period actually coming on in the first place. And the hormonal changes that happen around here usually means that a lot of our, um, you know, our fine motor skills, our balance, our coordination, um, you know, even our high-end eye coordination and that sort of stuff actually lowers You'll also find that your motivation is a little bit lower, um, you know, around this time as well. So this is the time to do lower weights, but maybe higher reps. Um, so resistance training would be a really good thing around this time. We want to go gentle as well. Um, so maybe not like box jumps, but more sort of yoga, Pilates, more controlled movements around this time as well. Less endurance too, because you're going to, um, at this time, you have a faster time to exhaustion. So you'll be able to do less, if that makes sense. What I normally suggest for women around this time of their cycle, because we want to keep moving, we want to stay active, and exercise is amazing for PMS, for breast tenderness, gives you that really good boost of serotonin, which helps with PMS symptoms and everything else. But maybe... Um, you know, meet a girlfriend for a walk um, or have someone who can be your accountability partner for that as well because our motivation is usually lower at this time um, by just working within your capacity. Um, and then obviously we then cycle back to the period again. Love it. That's it. That's, a, that's the full cycle, isn't it? And looking at how as well, I think, when it comes to training as you lead up to that cycle again, just starting to honour, you know, your emotional and sort of physical states, um, matching your exercise, mm -hmm. match your moon energy. If it's just a day where you feel like you're just not into it, go slow, walk, you know, treat as if you're on your cycle. It might be another day you're just feeling cranky and grumpy and guess what? Maybe you need to hit a, a boxing uh, pads to make you feel like you can burn off some totally. of that fuel. So 
it is a nice time to kind of match, match energy and mood and uh, the exercise of choice. So that's where I do like people. I say, look, you know, just be open to mixing up your training styles at this time. It might be a time where you yep. feel like smashing and bashing and crashing and other times you're like, I'm so not into this right now and you just want to go slow. So that's a really nice time to just, just do what you feel is really my general recommendation at that point. Oh, yeah. Awesome. I love it. And ladies, just remember, if you are pushing yourself too hard, remember, you're going to be making lots and lots of cortisol, which will mean that you're going to be robbing progesterone, which is anti-inflammatory for your system and everything else. And progesterone also increases your body temperature. So that means you'll actually burn less calories at rest. So it's kind of this counterintuitive thing. If you try and push yourself too much, you're actually creating more hormonal damage sort of down the track anyway. So ladies, in summary, on your period heavy days, rest, rest, rest. Um, And then once you've got over that, as long as you're up to it, then go hard. Keep building right before ovulation. Um, And then the week before your period is time to really slow down, light activities, more rest, listen to your body. Um, And also, just as a little um, important thing to mention, if you do have hypothalamic amenorrhea, stop exercising. Like keep moving, but stop exercising until your period comes back, as far as I'm concerned. Love it. That's it. So, ladies, exercise according to your cycles, I think, is a really good takeaway from tonight, knowing that we are different in our strengths and our fitness and our endurance at different stages through our cycle. And then adapting our training loads to that can absolutely get us our best results, uh, not just for now, but for long term. Also to honor the cycle in order to not alter it. And I think that's another thing that comes if we're overtraining um, is that we'll often alter our cycle. So just remember, there's a fine line, you know, lots of extra training can seem like a great idea until you realize that that uh, can change your cycle. And then of course, tracking and monitoring can be a whole lot harder. So if um, you are, or, you know, for example, on a contraceptive or an IUD, there's still these cyclic changes. It's just going to be a little bit harder to map if you're skipping um, a bleed or if you're on the IUD and not getting a bleed, but you still can track and monitor these things as well, just by monitoring mood and emotion, you know, fluid retention. There's a lot of things that give you clues as to where you are hormonally speaking. Um, there's obviously slightly different rises and falls at different times, but you can still honor this even, I think, even on a contraceptive, um, which obviously, you know, that's a personal choice. So it doesn't mean you're mm. excluded from listening to your body and training in accordance with it. Yeah. And I think if you are on, say, the combined oral contraceptive pill and you're having a, um, you've got your, like your, obviously your hormonal pills, and then you get to your placebo ones where you do have a hormone withdrawal bleed, that time is even more important for rest because you've had a sudden hormone withdrawal. Um, your body's going to, you might have, you know, a bit of a bleed. You may not. Some women don't. Um, but just go gently with your cycle then. Please. Love it. Love it. Oh, and hey, for the ladies, you know, menopause, perimenopause, um, we will have to cover this in another episode. I think that's another area yep. we can have a good chat about because there are so many women struggling with, you know, body mass, body weight, exercise prescription, doing too much, doing too little, you know, eating too many carbs, eating not enough carbs. Like that's another whole area of discussion. So I think we need to cover that one too, Andrea. What do you think? 
Yeah, because it does actually change around yes. that perimenopausal, menopausal um, sort of time. And because our hormones shift so much. Yeah. Okay. That, that's a separate episode. I won't even go into it. Um, <laughs> Ash, can you see all the dog toy distraction behind me? As I, well, I wasn't going to say anything. I did hear him having a little yep out there. I thought, who's the cheeky doggy? You've been puppy sitting, so I wasn't sure which one to uh, to, to blame for tonight. Right. My office is disastrous. Um, so <laughs> we're fostering we're fostering another dingo. His name's Rex. Um, he's actually with us until Sunday, so they found him a home, which is amazing. But I'm also devastated. And um, Loki and him are such good buddies. So you might have heard them playing um, outside of this room, but there's also like absolute destruction everywhere. So, oh, is is it someone lo- locally going to adopt him? We don't know. Oh, I was going to say maybe they could so, still be playmates and go so. on dates, oh, little bromance. They're so know. cute together. Oh, my gosh. When we dropped over, I'm like, oh, my gosh, they're so so gorgeous together. Like little, They remind me of like little four-year-old boys running around the playground together, just, you know, just mucking around, climbing on things. <laughs> it's so cute. Yeah. And mm. like – um, Rex was really sweet with Ollie, so um, yeah, he's he's a sweetie. It's going to break my heart. Soft. But anyway, um, I love that we can't go on episode without talking about my dogs. It's so good, <laughs> All right, ladies, um, dogs so and babies. We note, love it. <laughs> totally. On that note, um, you have been listening to Wellness Women Radio. We are the Wellness Women, Dr. Ashley Bond and Dr. Andrea Huddleston. We are raising the bar for women's health. And until next week, be well. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.